mixtapes. The classic mixtapes. Doing the mixtape thing. Let me drop a mixtape. Oh, mixtape. The mixtapes. This is the Art Behind the Tape podcast. Podcast. Hosted by this DJ. DJ Mars and Brill Jive. Covering the spectrum of the mixtape culture. Yo, 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 party people. It's the DJ Mars. I'm sitting here with my co-pilot, my partner in crime. Brill and Jive right here holding it down for the Art Behind the Tape podcast. What's up? Yeah, man. So listen. Another great day, another great opportunity <laughs> to talk mixtape history, mm-hmm. mixtape science, mixtape purchases, <laughs> mixtapes, bags, and books, and all of that. I'm sitting right beside my man. Um, did we, we we didn't graduate. Clearly, we didn't graduate the same year. Right, but nah. my, so can I call you my classmate? <laughs> nah, uh, schoolmate. 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 There, there we go. go. Okay, schoolmate. let's get it right. Let's get it right. <laughs> my, my schoolmate, my homeboy, my compadre, my man DJ Sits. Hey, hey, yeah. what's up, y'all, man? Trendsetter, yeah. trendsetter. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. My brothers, my we, brothers. We, we, gonna, we gonna get that going. We gonna get that going. So, so first of all, I want to say thank you for coming and rocking with us. Um, our behind the tape podcast. Um, we had a little conversation before the camera started to roll. Um, history, man. Yeah. History. Yeah. Like we got a lot of history. You come from obviously Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. The history of DJ culture in Philadelphia, even before we get to the mixtapes, yeah. is jazzy. So we're gonna start with the God. Yeah, of course. Jazz, <laughs> jazzy <laughs> Jeff. Jordan. That's the Jordan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um Tap Money. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um Cosmic Kev. Yep, yep. DJ Active. Mm, my man. Victor Duplay. Okay. Mm. Rich Medina. My guy. And then the three light skinned guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, hey, yo, yeah, you, you how are you up. born? Like, like, I know we don't have a choice of where we're born, but you were born into a city of gods. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what's funny? When you're growing up in Philly, and you, I was, you know, when you mentioned Cosmic Kev, and I used to listen to Cosmic Kev and um, DJ Ran and and, oh my and, God. and Kobe mm. Cole. Like that's how I kind of like got into it, listening right. mm-hmm. to um, uh, Radioactive when when I was a young boy. And um, uh, so like you you thought it was a normal thing that everybody was just so nice on the radio like that. Mm. The way they was just cutting, the way they transitions from the different records, everything <laughs> it was just like so high end. So that was kind of like. The standard. The bar. So if you, like, wanted to, like, you know, even put yourself in position to be a a, a competitive DJ, like, you couldn't even, like, if you can't compete in that standard, it wasn't no point. So it's like you already was, like, ingrained into, like, that high level of DJing. That's, bro. Did you mention cash money? No, how I forget cash money. How I forget cash money. Like, that's, like, honestly... All right, that's one of the highest levels that you could be involved in, hmm. right? So, so if, you, if you're talking, let's talk hip hop, eighty five to ninety, right? Mm-hmm. So I picked that period for a very specific um, reason. Okay. So you have Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, right? Cool then C. You have yeah, Cool C. Then you got you got uh, uh, um um um. Steady B, Steady B, Cool um, C, three the, times dope. Mar- oh yeah, three times dope. You got you got Cash Money and Marvelous. Uh-huh. Like like some of the DJs associated with those groups are some of the best to ever do it. Facts. Tap Money, facts. I told Tap Money he taught me how to cut from listening to the cuts from from uh, from the Giddy Up by Three Times Dope. Mm. Like mm. he did those cuts. Mm. Mm. So you come from an <laughs> era of West you, Philly. You, yes. <laughs> you come from an era of of DJs that literally 
help pave the way. And it's, it, you know, it's not New York City. We know what New York did, mm. but Philly is top dog. Yeah, like, yeah. Philly kind of it had its own. It, had, it, it it's its own style. Like it is East Coast. You know, it does have some relative like comparisons to New York, but mm-hmm. you know, Philly they got their own style, man. It's like it's a it's a lot of flyness. Um, it, it's I can't even explain it. It's like even it's like all the cultures of hip hop, like even the way they way you dress, mm-hmm. um, the graffiti style, because you know, like just coming up as a little boy, like like my cousins, that's what they did. They just they used to tag. They was some street dudes, so they just did everything, and they they taught me to break dance, and they taught me the whole culture of it. But my whole point of what I'm saying is, it's like it's New York, but it's it's his own thing. It's like, his own vibe. In that evolution of hip hop in the '80s, and I was a little kid, man. Mm-hmm. So um, I was just like looking at you know my older cousins and stuff and watching what they was doing, mm. and then like listening to the radio and listening to like like I said, radioactive. That really was you know how, like that's what inspired me. And I told Cosmic Kev that you know mm. I was like, yo, listening to you and Ran is like I kind of emulated my style like that, my scratching style and yeah. everything. Yeah, like 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 one thing I noticed about Philly DJs when y'all are in your cutting zone, it's super super fast. <laughs> Yeah, that's facts. Like, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I know a lot of cats rock like that. So clearly, that's a that's a Philly thing. That's definitely a Philly thing. Yeah, (laughs) like I said, I emulated Kev and um and Rand. They used to cut fat. So what I would do is I treated it like. You know, working out in the gym. So mm-hmm. I would just be in my basement annoying the hell out of my mom, just <laughs> going crazy, crazy, like, and just so, like, until my arms were hurt because I heard them do it. They were so perfect, you know, on just on the radio, like, no mistakes, you mm-hmm. know, and then I just would do it all night until, like, you got it, my right. hands would just, you know. So you're, you're, you're right handed. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yes. you know, it's funny. I'm right handed, but I cut with my left. Um, I've seen you do that. I've seen, I do I, it all the time. Yeah. I don't have any. You and Cannon, y'all both got like the way y'all transition is like an interesting style. But yeah, I've seen you do it, that. It's, it's, it's wild. So, so, all right, you're from a specific era in Philly. Like when you were in junior high, mm-hmm. what what give me give me what that looked like, what that sounded like to you? Oh, that was man. That, you talking chronic? Um, no, no, no. That was that was that was high school. Hold up, let's go to Wu Tang. No, that was high school. Um. Tribe Called Quest. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned um, earlier you was talking about Large Professor. So Main Source was one of my favorite groups then. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Buster Rhymes and them Leaders of the New School. Heavy. Uh, EPMD. Mm-hmm. That was more elementary school. EPMD, Big Daddy Kane. That was kind of... Big Daddy, no, Big Daddy Kane. Early. That was like elementary, middle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that whole era. Uh, LL Cool J. Like one of my favorite rappers yeah. of all time. Um, yeah, like that... Tribe Called Quest is probably like my favorite group in middle okay. school. And yeah. then going into like, oh, I remember um, Scenario Remix was like, they called it Scenario too. I remember I was in like seventh, eighth grade mm. and everybody before school was talking about, yo, you heard that new Scenario? And that was like the thing. That was the exclusive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, yeah, those are kind of the, can't remember. Oh, Dwick. Dwick I think Dwick came out when I was in eighth grade. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Let's mm. talk about this real quick. Let's talk about the Philadelphia mixtape scene back in the day. What yeah. was that like? Um, you know, it's funny, man, because I started off not really paying attention to the, um, mixtape scene. I was more like radio club. Okay. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but I knew there was a couple mixtape stores like on Shutton Ave in Germantown, Sound mm-hmm. of Market, um, Sound of Germantown, 
Um, they had all those things going. The New York DJs kind of was doing a thing. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. The Clues had it on Smash. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the 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 you know the flexes, um, SNSs. You know all the New York. The you know DJs. I, Jazzy Jeff and them. They all they had their stuff too. But when you were a kid, because a kid Capri's of course. When you were a kid. Because you're seeing Kid Capri do Def Comedy Jam, like, <laughs> you like, well, what what's his tape talking about? Right, you know exactly. what I mean? But, like, in Philly, it was a big party scene. Mm. In, in, in my perspective, it was a big party club radio thing. Okay. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I didn't get into mixtapes until high school. Okay, so let me ask you this. What's your, what was your first mixtape or what's your first mixtape experience? My first mixtape experience... Um, Probably in high school, there, w- there was this kid in my class, and he always put me on to like all the new hip hop stuff that was going on, and he used to just always pass me these Clue tapes. Mm-hmm. So to be honest with you, I think Clue was like the first mm-hmm. um, mixtape DJ that I really paid attention to, and he mm-hmm. just oh yo, this new Clue, get that, you gotta get this, you gotta get this. I got this off of um, off Shelton Ave, you gotta get this, da, da, da. and that's when I got into it. Like that's when I kind of was paying attention. I knew about the exclusives and everything, right. mm-hmm. but my whole thing was. Parties. Party in the radio. Yeah, when I was 16, 17, 18, it was parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so partying in Philly, high school in Philly. Yeah. Then you graduate. Yeah. And then you landed in Atlanta. What? Obviously, I know <laughs> one of the reasons. <laughs> what brought you to the A? Um, my mom. She went to Clark. What? She, Ooh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, my mom. Went, my mom went to. Well, she back then it was Atlanta University. Nice. And um. You know, in high school, I know what I was gonna do. I knew I, I I was doing my little thing. I was making my little money in high school as a DJ. I didn't know that I was gonna be a full time DJ or nothing. But you know, I I thought I'd just get a career, go to college or whatever, figure it out. But my mom was like, "You ain't staying in Philly. You're not staying here. You're not doing this." You know, I I got I was you know my junior year, I kind of was you know doing things that a teenager would do, like just cutting school and doing just doing dumb shit like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but my, my senior year, I got it together. I got my grades better and stuff like that. And I went really hard at trying to um, uh, apply to college. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was getting accepted by schools. I was like, damn, because my grades in high school was not it. But they were good enough. My SATs were good enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom took me to this um, college fair um, on City Line Avenue. And it was a um, recruiter from Clark. I can't remember his name. Robin something. I can't remember. Anyway. And... She, she was just so into this Atlanta thing. My mom was into it. Like she was like Atlanta, cause she lived there for two years or whatever, and she just felt like it was she. She wanted to complete it, so she was like, I guess she was trying. She wanted me to complete her dream or whatever. Right. <laughs> so she was like Atlanta, 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 Atlanta. And you know, you see how Atlanta kind of has a little buzz, like you know, with the freak Nick and stuff like that. So you heard about that. You heard about all those things. So I was like, all right, you know what? My mom never led me wrong. I'm gonna listen to her. I applied. And the recruiter was like, yo, you get a certain, you get hired in this on your SATs, I'm accept you, da 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 da. I did pretty good on my SATs. He accepted me. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was one of my first schools I got accepted to. So. Where else did you apply? Oh, everywhere, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where I was going to go. Right. I, I mean, you know, being, was, a, being in, shooting a shot. <laughs> basically, um, being in Philly, of course, I applied to Penn State. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? All the all the HBCUs, Lincoln, uh, Howard, Cheney. Hampton. I did Cheney, but I knew I didn't want to go to Cheney. Mm-hmm. I did it just to see I could. I got accepted there. I did it just to see if I could do it. 
Mm-hmm. But my first choice was actually um, Hampton because my family lived in Virginia. So I was mm-hmm. like, I'm a, and my older cousin went to um, Hampton. Hampton ain't accept me. I'm like, damn, how y'all accept me? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, then I was like, then I wanted to go to Howard. And then um, they ain't accept me. Um, then my third choice was Morgan. None of those schools accepted me. Wow. Mm-hmm. But Clark was like, yo, we got you. So okay. I was like, all right, cool. So And it ended up being the best one of my best decisions. Was going to Clark. Came okay. down, and that was it. Okay. Let me you ask you this real quick. Your name, Trendsetter Sense, where'd that come from? Did that come in Philly or did that come in Atlanta? Trendsetter came in Atlanta. Okay. Yep. I came in Atlanta. Um, That was me and Drum playing around trying to have, like, names like, oh, I'm so-and-so this and I'm so-and-so that. And we was playing around because um, – and I just – Man, it just, I don't know how I came up with it. It just was like, cool. I, you know, because I thought I was fly. I thought I was cool and all that. So I was mm. like, well, I'm a trendsetter. I'm ahead of the curve. <laughs> and that's how I came. And then, like, my graffiti, I used to be heavy in it. I know Mars, you into that, too. Mm-hmm. And I was heavy into that. And I could write the word trendsetter really good. Okay. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, I'm DJ Sense, the trendsetter. Like, we was just playing just around and coming stuff. Coming up so. with joints. Yeah. So let me ask you this. You you, you get to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, What year is your freshman year? 96. 96. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Olympics was here in Atlanta. Facts. What is it? What is the what what is Atlanta like in 96? Oh, that's you? funny because the day I came down in um high school to you know do your visit mm-hmm. was Freaknik. Oh. <laughs> that was that was the day I came down. And um my my parents was like, oh man, we were stuck in the traffic. We were stuck in um like in the middle of the party. Mm. And I told him, I was like, oh, I'm good. We don't got to go nowhere else. This right. for me. Yeah, we good. You know, 17. I'm all good. That's it. That's it right here. Right here. Yeah. Right so, so 90s, Freaknik 96, that was your first introduction. Yeah. Because it was like springtime. So, mm. you know, I was about to graduate. So that's when you start, you know, you start visiting schools and stuff. Right. So we planned a little, my parents, we planned a little trip. I went to Virginia State and Clark because I came down to Virginia State and Clark. So, um, we went to Virginia State. I was like, cool. But then when I came to Atlanta, I was like, nah, this is a wrap. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm so so the, now the ill thing is, Freaknik 96 was the weakest of them all because that <sighs> was the, the Olympics. So so uh, really, that wasn't even, in in, in, in in our mind, that wasn't even Freaknik. Uh, like the cops had kind of like, like squashed it because they, they didn't want this city to have a bad impression they didn't want to give a bad impression to the rest of the world because the, the global global community was coming here ah, for, the, for, exactly. for the Olympics. So, I mean, you still caught it, but it wasn't what it was. Yeah, see, so, so you a Freaknik OG, Mars. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? You was probably doing some of the hottest clubs that was going on at that time. Yeah, like, like, yo, but, 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 you know, we asked a question because want to paint a picture for what you saw the scene yeah. like when you got here. And that's that's a, it's still a dope snapshot. It's not like well, it's um, not like it was dead. Well right. imagine being in the car with your parents and you got <laughs> right. you got chicks getting out the car and thongs shaking their ass and you just in the car with your parents. You that's an awkward ass feeling, but I was right. like, in my mind I'm like, nah, that's it. I'm here. So you, you so fall of ninety six is freshman year, right? Yeah. Fall of ninety six is freshman year for yeah. you. Obviously, you got your classes. Mm-hmm. What made you say, let me pay attention to what I could be as a DJ? Um, I didn't even know. Actually, I'm a um man, 
I didn't know what I was what I wanted to do. Be honest mm-hmm. with you, I knew I I just had the passion for it. I had the love for it, and um, I just opportunities were presenting themselves, you mm-hmm. know. And then um, actually linking with DJ Drama, I saw how serious he was. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, dude, like, really want to be like a big DJ. We right. only 18. <laughs> he was so serious. And then um, hanging out with him so much, like, I guess I picked up on the, like, wow, I could really do this for real, for real. And then I started taking it real seriously. And then is this is this still moving. freshman year or? Yeah. Yep. So, so freshman year, 96, 97, y'all are doing college parties. Yeah. I mean, we wasn't a crew. Um, I knew he was from Philly, and uh, somebody was like, yo, it's another DJ on the second floor of Brawley. And then he comes up. You lived on the second floor he did? I lived on the third floor. He lived on the second floor. You know what's crazy? Me and Trauma, same scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lived on the second floor. He lived on the fourth floor. Hilarious. Crazy. Mm. <laughs> um, somebody must have told him it was another DJ in the building. So he just, and my best friend Anwar was with me. He helped me move in and stuff. And then so... Drama just knocks on my door and is like, yo, you a DJ? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, I know how he is. You know how he is. Yo, you a DJ? So then he goes, I'm like, yeah. He like, he, and he just like gets on my tables and just battles me in my house, <laughs> in my dorm room. I'm like, and my, and my best friend looking at me like, you gonna let him come in here and do that? And then I did my thing. Mm-hmm. Luckily, my scratch was, my, I had my little scratches in my pocket. So, it, you know what I mean? And he gave me the look like, oh, dude, all right. Like, and then we just going back and forth. And then, you know, it was like a respect level was created. And then we became like friends. Mm-hmm. And then um, it's, <laughs> it's funny. We started, so we had a good chemistry. Like one time, somebody asked us the DJ, but on different occasions, like, yo, DJ Drama, you DJ, and then at this time, since you DJ. But we wasn't a crew, but right. we killed it. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, yo, man, we should start doing this together. He was like, no, I'm 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 doing my own thing right now. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> But then after a while, man, we started um developing like a good chemistry and then we just started doing parties together. Okay. And, it, and it worked. Nice, nice, nice. So doing parties together, um you're ingrained into the college system. Mm-hmm. So when do you guys start to get out into Atlanta? The city, the club scene. Um, well, you got something to do with that, Mars. Um, when I started interning at, at that time, 97.5, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of exposed me to like um, different parties outside of the college scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I got, with, I got with you and Trauma. Y'all gave me the opportunity to DJ on the radio with y'all. Um, that was a big opportunity. And um, Biddy started, um, Mark Barnes, he started booking me a lot because he saw that I, I was doing my thing on the college scene. He mm-hmm. saw, actually, um, Jashad, Jashad Belcher, Belcher yeah. he was booking me a lot. And he was like, yo, I'm going to make you the next this, da, da, da. you know, he was doing, he was, you know, talk, he had like a plan that, he, yo, you a star, da, 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 da. So then he had me like open up for Funkmaster Flex when he came down and all this. Mm-hmm. And and Biddy was coming um to the club, to the college parties, and then Biddy was like, "Yo, I'm a, I'm gonna get you to open up for Mars and them at the Velvet Room," and at the same time, I was um interning at the station, so <laughs> those doors kind of opened, and then that's how I kind of started doing parties outside of the college scene. It had a lot to do with um interning at the station and and Biddy. Mm. Nice, nice, nice. So okay, you, you and you, Mars, you graduated <laughs> from the dorms in the clubs. 
What, when did you drop your first mixtape in Atlanta? Mm, um, I, I had a tape called um, Sense and Sensitivity mm. in college. We college. I remember that. You remember that? Remember, you know, it's funny. I remember that as Sense and Sensibilities. For that's what I saw no, no, in that's my what, head. It was. I can't remember, even remember. The name. It's Sense and Something. Mm. <laughs> it sense was one sensibility. of Sensibility. Yeah, that, like that. that was it. Okay, Sense and so Sensibility. So I'm not wrong. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> sense and Sensibility, yeah. And you know who gave me that name was uh, Pablo, the owner of, uh, of the mark. <laughs> oh. Pablo was like, you should call it Sense and Sensibility. Because back then, that's when I started doing the, all the parties at Karma then, but it was yeah. the mark. With your shot, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then that's when, he, and Pablo was like, call it this. And But I was only like a junior in college. Dang, you was that young? Yeah, I was young as hell. Wow. I was doing Velvet Room with you, and I had tests the next day. Yo, I remember (laughs) going, like, you invited me. You graduated, right? What was it, 2000? Mm Mm-hmm. And you invited me to your graduation party at Maggiano's with your family. You went to that joint? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> damn. It was your, it was your, your, your family was yeah. there. Like, damn. So in my mind, I was like, okay, we, we rocking, but this, this dude's that much younger than me? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, man. What's been, um, I remember one time, like, Marge used to take me, like, on his, when he was, like, big bro. Like, he'd take me on his missions and stuff. And then one day, he was like, you ready to really? You ready to really get, be a part of something official? Mm-hmm. Today I'm gonna take you to something official. And it's like the first day he took me to like a super friends meeting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and like trauma walks in, Frank Ski walks in, JC walks in, Doc walks in. Mm. I'm like, oh, I'm with the big, big boys. boys. I was, bro, I was the greatest day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Yo. He was like, "I'm gonna bring you around the big boys now." <laughs> Damn, man. So, so we got, we got. Clearly, we got a lot of history, right? Um, I mean, we could talk for days. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Personal tip. Yeah, yeah. Um, mixtape. You know, I know, bro. Got a question. He, we was talking about it earlier. Oh, God, bro. The first mixtape you said it was sensitivity. Sensibility. Sensibility. Excuse me. I fucked that up. Now, what (laughs) happened with the situation with uh, Birthday Bash? You did a mixtape for Birthday Bash. You and Drama did with associate sponsors and like that. Oh, that's how the first Gangster Grills was born. Oh, okay. Yeah. Talk about that. All right. So, um, Cersei, another OG that like was really supporting and believing in. I was his intern. Mm. Um, That's how I met Lil John. Makes sense. Um, So. I was his intern answering his calls and everybody came in and he was watching my movement. He was watching what I was doing and he's he's watching that I had a crew, which was Drama and Cannon. Um, and Cannon was doing his thing at college and Drama was doing his mixtape thing. So we had our little crew, but we didn't have no name or nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw what um, Jelly and Monte were doing the birthday bash the year before and they was just selling like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. I was like, so... Um, I went to drum and I was like, yo, I was like, um, man, we got to do this next summer, man. Like Jelly and Monte is killing, them, killing the mixtape scene. I mean, killing the, um, the, uh, vent- vendors at uh birthday bash out of Lakewood. Um, so, you know, time, a year later, I'm still, still interning, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, Cersei, um, came to me and was like, yo, um, I'm going to rent out one of them, um, tents because I know y'all got y'all mixtapes and stuff. And um, y'all just put a whole bunch of mixtapes together. Here go the money. He just gave me this big ass wide of cash. Like mm-hmm. here, I'm like, oh shit. So I go to that's when I go to drum. Like yo, Cersei gave me all this money. Um, 
let's put all these, let's put these tapes together. You know, because at that time, that's when drama was going to like um, Georgia State. So he already was kind of hustling, to doing, you know, doing that. So I was like, yo, here go opportunity. So then drama was like, um, man, we got to um, come up with a tape that like makes sense for birthday bash. You know, we in the South, da, 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 da. And then that's when we just sat there and talked about like the tape. And then uh, he was like, man, we need a name for it. Uh, grills, um, Gangsta Grills. I said, that's it right there. Mm. And that's how the birth of Gangsta Grills started, just mm. like that. And it's funny because that was the best selling tape um, at the birthday bash. The only thing is we didn't put our names or nothing on it. It was like, it was kind of like, Ashamed to put it out because <laughs> I, at the you know it was like we didn't know if it was gonna do nothing so we didn't put our names on it or nothing and it was gangster grills er wow. yeah and it was just a grill on it um so you know funny new faces somebody probably got that tape <laughs> he, he, had to take it he probably got yeah. the official copy of it yeah and um you know that and then I made Cersei money I came back Cersei look da 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 and that's how. The tape got born. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so sounds like it was made by accident in a, in a sense, right? Sort of. It was, yeah. Circumstances created the opportunity. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. We did, me and Drum did make a tape before that that was actually like pre Gangster Grills. It was called How the South Was One. I remember that. Yeah. So, that, so that. but it was really, that's what it was. But our names were on that one. We're on that one. <laughs> yeah, that one. yeah. Yeah. So that was pre Gangster Grills. So it was, it was really the same thing because we highlighted. Southern, Southern artists. Southern, yeah. Southern hip hop. So, mm -hmm. all right. So you got the Gangster Grills mm -hmm. popping off. Um, I feel like I feel like when those tapes were the early ones when they were dropping, I felt like it was a it was a team effort because I remember seeing all y'all's names on the mm -hmm. on the on the tape. Yes. And kind of what I admired about that was, like, even though. At the end, it ended up being drama series. Mm -hmm. I still remember the marketing amongst the three. Yeah, and that was like to me that was an admirable uh, thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, DJs with peacocks with me, me, me. Look at me, look at me. Facts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But to see, because I, I saw it happen in that series, and I saw it happen in other series. You, you know, you got name here, name here. Name here at the top. Um, one of the dope artists that y'all use, I, I would say you guys broke him, Rob Petrozo. Okay. How did y'all, did you find him or did Drama I find him? Drama found Rob. Mm -hmm. Drama Cannon found Rob. Found Rob. I don't know how the story came about, but he just, he wasn't even the first um, art designer for the tapes. We had yeah. another guy, I can't even remember his name so long ago. Um, Rob was doing, I think Rob had a nice clientele. He was out of New York. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I still see we I still he's still on IG. I still yeah, yeah, still yeah. talk to each other. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get him on the show too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um and uh yeah, I think that was Drum discovered him. Drum mm -hmm. discovered Rob and uh he just started doing everybody's tapes and they were just dope. It was just real dope artwork. Like I, I felt like this, I remember Cannon, I'm I'm gonna uh paraphrase what he said to me, but I remember Cannon kind of breaking down you guys' thought process in terms of marketing your, yourselves making you guys the entities mm. as big as the artists. Mm -hmm. Like, like from a from afar, I, I was sitting and I'd be like, yo, that's crazy. Because <laughs> you, you would open up the cover, so the cover would be dope, mm -hmm. and then you open up the cover in a sense with a fresh sweatsuit, some Air Force Ones, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Inside the cover looking just as fresh as the artist. Like, so I felt like it was 
intentional. It was like in a in a great way yeah, it was. to represent yourself. Yeah, um, we got that. We got that from New York DJs. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna act like we created that. <laughs> that was we saw what Kid Capri and you know DJs like that out of New York was doing, um, and putting themselves. We used to talk about it a lot, like putting yourselves next to the artist, like allowing, like your brand, the DJ is just as important as the artist in the marketing. And we were heavy on the marketing. That was, no matter what our resources were, how much money we had at the time, we were heavy on that. That was very important. It was, the covers was like the most important thing. Right. You know what I mean? I feel like from the outside looking in, and I was, you know, I wasn't on the outside. You was right from, there. But, but <laughs> on the outside looking in, I, I, I felt like that came from you. Like, like I felt like you were the marketing guy in that sense. Um, I, I had a lot of the ideas out of. I can't take all the credit, but I mm-hmm. had a, a lot of the ideas I had, a lot of the visions. A lot of people call me the brain and the vision. I can't take all the credit though. Mm-hmm. Um, Cannon mm-hmm. had a lot of that too. Like, um, give me an example of of something that you felt like you said, guys, we need to do X, Y, Z, and then it did it and it worked. Oh, the whole plan. I mm-hmm. said we were going to. With the mixtapes going to be the biggest mixtapes in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the affiliates, my, myself and Ace McLeod created that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just affiliates, Philly. That's why it's the PH, right. the mm-hmm. A. Um, and um, I, I saw the vision of it being like a really impactful um, force, you know, as a DJ collective, and then growing into other opportunities. Um, just little things like that. Um, uh, the marketing stuff, um, I had to. That was that was that was all three of us. Mm-hmm. The marketing thing, that was all three of us. All right. You know what I what I looked at? Um, it was it was one year we were all in maybe in Puerto Rico for Mix Show Power Summit, and y'all had the bags, the bags with the affiliate, the bags. The, the so this is what stood out to me. Mm-hmm. I think Crystal Betts, Dr Pepper at the time, she sponsored. Am I am I right? Yeah. Um. Dr. Pepper did sponsor that. Was that that was Christian. that was Christian. Okay. That was Christian. I remember um I was drawing a blank right now. She was very involved in that. Um what is she worked at Columbia? Why am I she's drawing a blank on me right now? Trauma's homie. Um Puerto Rican girl, what's her name? She worked at Columbia. Um Bianca. Bianca. Yeah, yeah. She had a lot to do with that. Mm. Dope, dope. She dope. had a lot to do with that. Bianca Mendez, right? Mendes, That's her, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, <clears throat> I remember she had a lot to do with that. Um, Dr. Pepper thing, I do remember that. Um, and that was something that we all, I don't know how, we just formulated it. We just wanted a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, I came down to the Mix Show Power Summit before they did, and I saw the impact. Like, I would see how... Um, everybody saw fit like it was like you knew Fifty Cent was going to be the next biggest artist. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was down there with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, so you saw. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, if you see, like, we don't have the funds that Interscope or G Unit or Rockefeller or any of those companies had, but we had to do something creative. And you have all these tastemakers, DJs in one building. What can we do to create an impact? For everybody to go home with, because I saw how much, how big the impact was networking wise. Like every time that I went down there, um, I was getting a whole bunch of phone calls and people were trying to make it happen, and it would lead to things. So I was like, okay, this next time we have to make an impact when we go back down there, and it'll help us moving forward. And it mm-hmm. did. And mm-hmm. then that was so we had these bags, 
Um, I don't even remember how the bags are made. I don't even I don't remember that part. But um, we had all these bags. We had a sponsor, and um, we just we put all the mixtapes and stuff in there. We made it like a gift bag. But we had that A, and um, it went from there. Mm. So in 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 terms of branding, mm-hmm. because part of the genius of of the affiliates is the branding. You got that was everything. You got right. other DJs. You got other artists. You got yeah. other entities, but. Again, to y'all's credit, the branding look. First of all, the big A. a. Oh yeah, the Pre- A. Precisely the logo, right? Uh, actually, um, Felix Mian did the logo. Wow. Felix Mian did the logo. So Pre- I think Precise did make a logo. Th- he did a version. But Felix, yeah, he did a version, but I, th- yeah, but Felix Mian made that logo. Mm. So it's the it's the big A on the shirt. Yeah. It's the it's the big Jesus piece size A. Yep. On the chain. Yeah. And then it's the hottest tapes in the streets. Right. Um, Facts. You, you know I like the way you presented that. <laughs> yeah. That sound real good. No, I mean, it's, it's, yo, it's, it's, the, Facts. it's, yeah. it's, the, it's the truth. Yeah. Like, because like, clearly um, there was a separation between good DJ, I mean, average DJs, and then at that time, great DJs. And like, like uh, it, it's like, you know, you watch a, a basketball game and the Sixers is pulling away from mm-hmm. the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And it, you, you know the Knicks aren't going to win. Mm-hmm. They're just pulling away. Mm. So the train is leaving <laughs> is leaving the the, the, the station, mm. and, and cats are pulling away. And I study just like the three of us study. I'm looking at what is making that momentum move, mm. and it's the marketing. Mm. Yeah, that was the main piece. That was the main piece. Um, you know, it's so funny. When you're doing it, you don't. You weren't looking for results. You were just doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you didn't even know if it was working or not, but the phone just kept ringing. The opportunity kept presenting itself. I think when I felt like it was really working is when, like, every label was calling us. Mm. Like, yo, we went to try to do Niles Barkley. Yo, can you do uh, Big Boy and uh, Purple Ribbon or... It was just when then I, when that when that happened, I was like, oh okay, maybe we do got okay. something going on. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. talk about this real quick. Let's talk about five thirty two Glen Iris Drive. Yeah, how important is that? That you? was the beginning. Um, I can tell you the story. Um, graduated college, me and John was already doing our DJ thing. He lived up um Adina Drive of Buckhead, up um, what's the name of that street up there? Anyway, it was up Buckhead, Adina Drive. Where is it by um? I'm drawing a blank. Whatever that street is up there. Lindbergh. Lindbergh. <laughs> and um, I, he was moving out. So he calls me like, yo, I found this apartment. I, you you want to get this apartment? I had nowhere to live. I just got out of school. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know if I was going back to Philly or coming back. I didn't know. So um, I was like, all right, let's look at it. Hole in the wall. I'm 22 years old. I don't care. That's where we live. Um, and it was a struggle. You know, we was trying to figure it out. And that's when I was interning and doing whatever party I could to make a dollar. Mm-hmm. And then um, when we, that whole mixtape thing um, established, like artists was really coming through. Like that shit was crazy to me. Like <laughs> the the one, like from Monica, Ludacris, Bone Crusher was the hottest rapper at the time, came through, mm. Lil Jon, mm. uh, T.I. The story with T.I., like, T.I. comes through, 
Nobody knows who he is. So he come give some drums, some drops or whatever. And I'm like, drum, who was that? Like some dude said he was the king of the south. <laughs> <laughs> some dude. Some, dude. Fact, some, like some random dude. Some dude talking about he the king of the south. It was T.I. Mm. Um, the one that, that that impressed me was when Monica came and did the very first Rhythm in Streets. Because um, she was already Monica. And, right. they, and then they talking about, we about to drop this record called So Gone. And um, mm. we going to put it through this mixtape and get it hot in the streets. And um, she came, her and Melinda came, her manager, and um, they just chilled at the crib in my, in my dusty apartment all day. <laughs> yo, yo, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> you, let me, you, let me you. tell you, his room was always the dirtiest. Oh, man, yeah. damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told you, damn. we own boys. Damn. Right. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty neat. Damn. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, too, real quick. Lil John dro uh, dropping for Gangsta Grills. Yeah. How did that happen? That happened um, when John, um, I told John to come up to the station and meet Lil John because I was interning with Cersei. Right. Well, I just told him to come up to the station. Lil John just happened to be there. So then I was like, uh, John, Lil John, Lil John, you know, Cersei, Lil John, John. Right. And then um, John pollied with him, told him to come through. He was like, yeah. So he came through and he hearsed, he hosted one of the gangster girls. I can't remember which one it was. It might have been like the, I don't know which one it was, one of the early ones. And um, he just did a drop. He's like, hey, this is your boy Lil John, and this is Gangster Grizzles. So then Drum had a, uh, he was making another tape, but he couldn't get a host. So he was like, all right, I'm going to just reuse it. I'm going to just chop this part up. Mm -hmm. And that's how that, it's the same drop to this day. Wow. That <laughs> drop is like 20 years old. It's the same drop. And then he's just like, and then he just chopped it up. It's gangsta grizzle. It's the same drop. So that's, yeah, that's how that happened. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about Atlanta, right? Mm -hmm. um, how, how important is uh, Atlanta to the global mixtape scene? Oh, man. Atlanta is, is the scene. Is. Mm -hmm. Being around the world and being in different, um, you know, countries and stuff like that when it comes to uh, just the culture. Atlanta definitely leads the pack with that. Definitely, without a doubt. Mm. Just even to, to this day. Mm. Um, and then um, I'll be in certain countries and, like, I go to Thailand or whatever and I talk to my man T, who's a, a big promoter out in Thailand, out in Bangkok. He's like, you trendsetter. You trendsetter. <laughs> <laughs> we, we bring you back. We bring you back out here. Trendsetter. And they just be that's what, so yeah it it is big. Mm. I don't know if I told you. I, I definitely told Cannon this. I was in um I was in Johannesburg sneaker shop and I, I I remember the whole scene. The sneaker store was on the whatever street I was on. The sneaker store was on the left. I walk in white sneaker store kicks everywhere. Asher Roth mixtape is playing. Mm. And so mm. I felt like Asher Roth. <laughs> Right. I felt like Scooter Braun. Yeah, exactly. I felt like this is the this is like one of those I may have called them or texted them while I was in the store. Like it was one of those moments like, yo, these kids are on fire. <laughs> like it, it's one thing to be in Atlanta and have a tape popping off in Atlanta and move to New York, move to Chicago. I'm in South Africa. Yeah. And to hear y'all tapes in South Africa. Like yeah. At a swanky sneaker store, <laughs> and they're playing Asher Raw. Yeah, <laughs> like it wasn't just playing a song from. No, they were playing the mixtape. Yeah, in the spot. It just it it takes a life of its own, man. I can remember one time um, when I knew that the mixtapes was was popping. 
Um, we did a mixtape. Actually, we did Gangsta Girl 6. Me and John, the Gangsta Girl 6. I got Killer Mike to host it. Mm-hmm. And he got David Banner to host it. Because at the time, I was Killer Mike's DJ. And um, so they came through, did they, all their things and all that. We had some exclusives on there and everything. And um, Get Rich or Die Trying was the biggest album out at the time. Mm-hmm. And we went, in the, <laughs> we went in the flea market, the bootleg, right there on Metropolitan. Um, millions of Get Rich or Die Trying, right? Mm. Right next to it. Millions of affiliate tapes right next to it. I said, mm. damn. Did y'all get any money for that? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> but yo, at that time, we didn't care. Because we knew he was getting spread out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, but you had your own series. Yes. Um, Rhythm and um, Streets. Rhythm and Streets. Like, so Rhythm and Streets, Monica. Yes. Chris Brown. Yep. I mean, them Chris Brown, that, that joint was heavy. In my zone was crazy. Yeah. 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 yeah so th- how did you put that together? How did you start that one? That was um, a me and Drown combination. Mm-hmm. That one, um, and we was like, just, just do it together. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was an R&B, because it was Chris Brown, it was like, let's utilize the Rhythm and Streets brand. Mm-hmm. To, and um, that's how that, and we just did it, mm-hmm. you know, and then. I already knew what it was gonna be because it was Chris Brown, and then he was in that whole little thing with um the Rihanna stuff and all mm-hmm. of that. That was like the comeback, mm-hmm. and then that No BS song was just so big, mm-hmm. and then yeah, that John, that so John did something. <laughs> a, a tape like that, like, do you sit with Chris and you go through songs? And he be just like, sent the records over. He just sent them. Yeah, he just emailed them over. Got it. And then we just jumped on top of them. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. things have been different, like the Monica. She sat there and did it with me gotcha. all day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, um, it depends. Um, sometimes I'll sit there with them, and sometimes they'll just send the records over, like the K Michelle. Um, she did the records, but I sat down with her a lot of times. Okay. Um, and I brought the idea to her, mm-hmm. and then um, she made the music strictly for me the to tea. put it together. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you this. I know you're known for the gangster girls, but why did you lean towards R&B and rhythm and streets? What made you start that? Um, I just wanted to establish a brand um, outside of uh, something that had that was the same vision of gangster girls, but you know, I I, I just saw the importance of what R&B did, mm. and um, I wanted to just I you know the only other mixtape DJ I saw do that was um, Ron G, mm. and and um, I was like, ooh, what if somebody like from the, that is the same effect coming out of Atlanta, even though I'm from Philly, but my home base is Atlanta. And then, you know, at the time it was LaFace and, you know, so many artists, the ushers and so many artists in Atlanta doing their thing. I was like, ooh, I want to, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then you see what happened is R&B parties and all this. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, um, I just, I don't know. It just, it still gravitates to me to this day. Um, Like, so with that, with that series, I could definitely say um, that you probably inspired a lot of these R&B parties. Because yeah. one, because <laughs> right. we know in Atlanta, we know who the promoters are. Right. And they were of the age and they were around at that moment. Yeah. You know, at the moment that that movement was cooking. Mm-hmm. I know they still got them tapes. They still, <laughs> they still, they still listen to them. Uh, I, I feel like from a mixtape standpoint, in that era, we're talking 2000s. Mm-hmm. You were probably the best R and B, best voice for R and B on a mixtape. In, in terms that. of 
in terms of how you pushed it. You I appreciate know, that. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it, everyone was trying trying to emulate what Drum was doing, but for you, and, and I can say this because on the club DJ side, that's what I was doing. I was holding R and B down. Mm, yes, you definitely when were. It went, went before it was cool, right? So that's a fact. <laughs> that's a fact. Like, Very true. Yeah. <laughs> before it was cool, so I'm looking at all of that, and I'm looking at the tapes. I'm looking at the the marketing. And I'm like, he's standing for something that at the time wasn't the thing to stand no, next. It to. definitely wasn't at the time. But that's my name, Chelsea. <laughs> you know, you gotta stand on your own. Like it's, 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 it's you gotta do this. It's, you know, sometimes people can't take it when ain't nobody feeling it. But I, you know, it's just seeing ahead of the curve. You hmm. know, um, so you got that. I, I, I know you got other classic. Give me another classic sense tape. Hmm. Oh man, uh, Ryan Leslie. Yeah, that one. That one was fun. Raheem, Raheem Devon. Raheem Devon. I remember Raheem. that one. Raheem Devon, shout out to Cac for that. Cac <laughs> set that up. Mm. Um, who else? Ah, so many, I can't remember all of them, man. Bobby V. Damn, I forgot about that. Damn, see what I'm he saying? He did it. <laughs> <laughs> but hold on, let's backtrack though. Uh -huh. Ryan, Ryan Leslie. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, Ryan Leslie, that one was dope. Um, shout out Ace McLeod and mm. um his little brother Latif. I was working with Latif. Who was a sound artist of Motown and a um, songwriter? That's how I met Sean Garrett as well. Mm. So when he was and his funny Latif and Ryan on different occasions. No, one time I, they might have came. They used to come down and sleep on my couch. That same dusty apartment. Wow. <laughs> they would sleep on my couch songwriting. So then um, Latif was working with this other guy that was a songwriter. His name was Sean Garrett, mm. and he was working at Bank of America. And they would and he'll tell you that. And then they would come. Right all night, and then just come and sleep on the couch, mm. and that's how I met Sean. Was that right. way, and then I remember. Did Sean have a record out at that moment? He was he was in the mix, but mm -hmm. he didn't have a hit. I was I saw him the day after he wrote Yeah, because we had the same barber wow. in Philly's finest. Philly Kier, yeah, we had the same barber, <laughs> and um, he like yo sense sense man. I I wrote this record man. Come in the car, come in the car, and he plays me. Yeah, but it's over the Petey Pablo beat. Mm. It's over the Petey Pablo. He plays him, him, him his, over his demoed version. His over. demo is over um, Petey Pablo. Freakily. And it's funny because when I was, I was managing, tour managing John, I asked him about that. Mm -hmm. So we, I, I don't know, I was, it's funny. I was having a story with him and the story mm. with um. What did John Sean. say about it? Um, he was like, yeah, um, he was trying to get the, <laughs> he was trying to like get the beat back or whatever. Cause Usher and them, they was something like they was moving slow on it. They wanted to put out Burn as the first single. LA Reid mm. wanted to put out Burn as the first single. And then he called P.D. Pablo and P.D. Pablo was like, nah, our money is already in the bank. Da, 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 da. And then he told me, um, rest in peace, Shakira Seward. He told me, um, they flew to Miami and, um, they was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to figure this out? And John was like, well, shit, I'm going to just keep the same drum and just change the melody a little bit. If you notice, it's damn near the same song. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, that's how uh, the little, and that's how the beat came. And then he told me he took it to K Slade. K Slade's rest in peace. It was actually broke the record. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to give you another story about that record. So at that, that time, um, me and Jermaine was doing So So Deaf Radio on, ah. on V103, right? Ah, remember that. And and 
in the studio, it was, I'm, I'm saying this in sequence. It was me and Shakir, and it was Jermaine Dupree and DJ Chip. Someone didn't, didn't feel as strongly about that record. Let's just, I'll just say that. <laughs> I'll just say that. And, and the conversation was, if we play this song on the air and the phone lines don't light up, that record's not going to make the album. Damn. Ooh. I don't, I don't know. Let's just, but that was, that's what was said. So they asked me about it. I was like, yo, it's a, the record is a go. Like it's <laughs> Luda, John, and, and Usher. Like, and everybody is at their apex at that right, time. Right, right. Usher's on fire. Luda's on fire. John is the fire man. Like, yo, we played that record. Phone, you, you know, the radio station, like the phone lines just like every lights in the hallway was lighting <laughs> up because yeah. Atlanta was like, yo, yeah. this record is crazy. Yeah. So, so I remember it's funny you, you talk about you, you're telling it from from your vantage point. Yeah. I remember that when we played it on Social Death Radio, that record did not stop. Like the, the oh, phone yeah. lines stay lit. Yeah. So it, it, it's Jermaine. So we could, we're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. <laughs> we probably played that record for 20 minutes. <laughs> like, and then now look, look where it is. It's probably one of Facts. John's. It's the 13th biggest record ever made. What? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being on the road with John, you like, you know, you start you, knowing everything that goes right. on. Yo, yeah. Yo, but hold on, hold on, hold on. So you threw this in real lightly. You yeah. said, I road manage little John. Yes. Like, but yo, but you didn't, you just said it like, like yo, I got on some green sneakers. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yo, yeah. come on, man. We talked about history. You got, yeah. that's the story you got to tell. Bro. Right. Um, well, how I got it? How you got it, the experience of it. Oh, um, so shout out Amy Johnson, um, mm -hmm. who's John's day to day, handles everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, she was, um, working at, um, she was working at RCA. What's Polo Grounds? Mm -hmm. She was VP of Polo Grounds, mm -hmm. and she was gonna bring me in as an A and R. So I was like dealing with her a whole lot. Um, then she ended up stopped working there, and that just it just never transpired. Mm -hmm. But we kept in touch, and then um, man, I was working on something else. I was making my records. We didn't even talk about my records and all that right. stuff. I was making my records, um, and uh, she just calls me out of nowhere. And she's like, um, you want to romance John? I was like, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Why not? And then my very first, so she was like, all right, John about to call you. And uh, I already knew John anyway, you yeah. know, just from the history. So um, John ain't never called me. <laughs> <laughs> not at that time. When I was working with him, he called, I heard him I heard him from every day. But yeah. um, my first show with him that I had to work was funny. It was in... Um, uh, Monte Carlo, mm. and it was the Grand Prix. Wow! Yeah, mm. and so John is doing this um, show with, or the, he was DJing this this one oak pop up featuring. You said what? Out there, out there, there. Mm. featuring um, Justin Bieber and Lewis Hamilton, <laughs> and that's your first job. You gotta do that. Yep. What is it like? Like what is you know what I mean? Like what is um, that experience like? You know, but it's John. He you know he's the he's he, he's He's it, it's Lil John, so yeah. it's like you gotta, um, what is it like? They threw me in the fire, mm -hmm. and I was like, which was a which was a good thing, like. Right. So like, I just dealt with everything. Like I had to, you know, do the management stuff, like mm -hmm. 
handle, you know, make sure everything is straight, you know. It, you know, it was it was it wasn't hard. It's mm. hard if you allow it to be hard. It's a lot going on. You gotta be responsible for a lot of things. But mm-hmm. um I just did it. And that was the first show. And then it's every show was like that. Like it was just crazy. You, you going from Monte Carlo to Japan to China. Mm. I've been to China three times. Um to he's always in Mexico. He got a he got a big fan base in Mexico. So we yeah. was always in Mexico. And you just setting him up. He was we, I mean, we probably did three, four shows a week. I was probably only home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. In and out. Yeah, and then back out. And I did, it was a blur. I did that for two years. Wow. Yeah, two years. You probably what? Passport what? Three or four? Three. Passport three. <laughs> Yo, he says it's so natural. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Passport three. Passport three. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Like, because I would see y'all moving around. And yeah. I'm like, yo, like, from, um, a, a, again, like, so my perception of you, aside from the DJ standpoint, yeah. like, I always felt like you were the brains of the operation. Yeah, I've been so called that. When, <laughs> <laughs> so to see, to see you in that position, I felt like, no pun intended, it made sense. Facts. Like, yeah. you know how you see somebody, you're like, him? We were supposed like, to do our agency together. Uh, you said no. I, yeah, at the time. At the time. But, but, no, but like, it, like it, it made sense. Yeah. Like, it, it literally made sense. Um, And I, in the DJ world, you want to be able to move around. Like, yeah. like, we all know what it's like to be DJing in a club scene in Atlanta when it's not as bright as it should be, right? We know what that is. So to see you move in that space, like, I was like, that's very dope. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's, that's, you said two years, that's probably 20 years worth of experience. It was definitely, and, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, John's very professional, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, he, you know, people think he's this crazy dude, but he's very articulate and very, very, very smart. Mm-hmm. And um, he was, he was just... I just it was very meticulous and he wanted all information, all details. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to make sure everything was right. He wanted to know everything that's going on from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. So it just had you on your P's and Q's, you know. Was there ever a time you had to DJ a show for him? Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of times I had to do that. So, <laughs> so it went from booking the hotel, booking the flight, say, yo, we gotta hop on the stage. Yes, absolutely. Who was DJing for him at the time? For him? Me. Oh, you was DJing for him and like that was I was joking. No, yeah, me. No, <laughs> wow. When on his performances? Yeah. Yeah, it was me. Wow. Yeah. And, and it's funny, like you gotta make sure the stage good, make sure all the business is right. And, then, and DJ. And DJ. For a multi-platinum artist. At the at the time and still the biggest artist of our our time. Like John is you you know, you know I've seen him in Vegas with Usher. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yep. Um, so you're rocking and managing, you know, uh, the the guy who's literally the biggest. Mm-hmm. That has to be ridiculous. Yeah, it was it was a um, crash course. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful, like I'm thankful, like I did it because it's like you could do anything, you right? Know what exactly. I mean? Like mm-hmm. yeah. So, but uh, nah, yeah, it was dope. It was definitely dope. Jeez. You had um, alluded to something earlier. You said we didn't talk about your records. Oh, um. Yeah, uh, I just it was really still an extension of the mixtapes. So mm-hmm. if you notice, my songs sound like my mixtapes. Right. You know what I mean? Like even the song I had with um, T Pain, Migos, Arab, 
RIP Takeoff and um, mm. K Camp. Mm-hmm. Um, it had like a party up tempo R and B type of vibe, yeah, but yeah. with a bunch of rappers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Monica joint too. The Monica joint, yeah, mm-hmm. that was my biggest selling record. That record went. He looked like he was about to forget about it. Right, exactly. <laughs> I remember that record. My, my brain, man. Um, that record went thirty eight on the charts independently. Sheesh. Wow. Yeah. How did, like so. People watching this, they're hearing it, but just explain the process. The process of that. Um, I had all these beats. I already had the T Pain record, and um, I already had the relationship with Monica and Melinda. You you know mm-hmm. that. And um, I was gonna get Kelly Rowland on the record. Wow. Because I was her. She was coming to the studio, coming to Mean Street, and her mm-hmm. husband was coming to Mean Street. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to them, mm-hmm. and I mentioned it, and. Um, so, but I bump into Melinda at this event and she was like, oh, what you working on? I said, oh, I got this new record I'm about to do with Kelly Rowland, da, 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 da. And she was like, what? Hold up. Uh, we about to work on something. Matter of fact, I want to hear what you got. I was like, all right. I mean, I ain't going, you know what I mean? Right. I was like, man, this is lightning in the bottle. <laughs> so um, she came to the studio the next day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She came to the studio the next day. I played all these beats and it was this one um, there's one song, shout out Mika Mean, she wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh Fat Boy who did uh Wasted produced it um for Gucci. And mm-hmm. um she was like, Hold up, bring that back. Nah, that's it right there. I'm about to call Mo right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, all right, I ain't know it's gonna move this fast. <laughs> so um she was like, All right, boom. The next day, Melinda called me. She was like, Mo loves it. We're gonna record tonight. I'm like, what? So she heard she heard she heard the demo version with Mika on yes. it. Yes. Okay. Yes, gotcha. she heard the demo, and then she was like, "Mo loves it. We recording tonight. Um, we gonna be a patchwork." I'm like, damn. All right. Quick. Listen now. You this is a story right here. So, I was trying to the funny thing. The song I had with T Pain, Migos, and K Camp was originally supposed to be Two Chains and Yo Gotti. Wow. Um. Two chains. That's somebody else. That, the two chains. Titty boy. That was somebody else that came to the apartment and nobody knew who he was too. Wow. Mm. Right. A, right. Right here in Old Fourth Ward. Yeah. That was another one that came to the apartment when he was with DTP. Right. All right. Fast forward. So I'm talking to Tech and Two Chains in the background, and they're like, "Well, let me hear your Gotti verse." Yo Gotti ain't do the first. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's coming in. It ain't coming yeah. in. <laughs> so, I'm, so you know, it kind of slow rolled the situation. I'm like, damn. So. That's how I was like, all right, well, and then with T Pain, because I did that mixtape with T Pain, forgot, I forgot about that. The, mm-hmm. So um, I did that mixtape, and then at the time, I'm jumping around, but I'm gonna get back. And uh, Pain manager was like, um, "What you need?" I was like, "Let me get a verse." And then he was like, "All right, let me work on it." So then uh, six months later. I just got a hook with T Pain. I lost my shit. I was like, oh, oh yeah. So this T Pain is prime. Yeah. Well, this was yeah. I mean, shit. That's yeah. T Pain. T Pain. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. anyway, but yeah. I mean, but at the time, he it, was everywhere. It was um, fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen. Um. Yeah. So I was like, oh shit, I got a Pain hook. Shout out my man Spins. He made the beat. Um. And done deal on the track. Uh. So I was like, damn. And then so that's how that story went. But fast forward back to Monica. So we had patchwork. I'm just, I felt like I was looking at Whis, watching Whitney Houston record. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and she was just in there killing it. I'm like, damn. And um, I was remember I remember I said I was trying to get Yo Gotti right on mm. another song. So I call um my man over at Epic June because he used to help me out with a lot of stuff. And it's funny, 
Um, I almost had a Sierra mixtape. Mm. Almost had a Sierra mixtape. She called me. I was running around the track. Um, and I know we short on time. I'll be quick. Um, and she was like, hey, this is C. Um, just letting you know I'm rehearsing right now. And um, uh, 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 I'm going to call you when I'm done. N- next thing I know, the body song come out. My body. Mm-hmm. That's all. And she never called me back with no mistake. <laughs> I was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I was excited. But anyway, fast forward. But so the reason why I tell you that is because June tried to make that happen. And he was like, man, I don't know. Like, this is when she was with Future and all of that. So, mm-hmm. And then he was EPing it. I was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. he probably got me out the way on yeah. that one. So, but anyway, um, I'm like, yo. So they like, yo. We, so then Monica does it, kills it, kills it, kills it, kills it, kills it. So it's a great day, right? I'm all excited. We in patchwork. So then Melinda go, all right, who, who we going to get on here? I'm like, uh... <laughs> I gotta figure it out. Well, we need somebody. We need it. It gotta be somebody right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, like, right. I already know. I already, I already know that tone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I know exactly. it. I know it. <laughs> so she's like, you know, Moden laid three. She laid three verses. Mm. I'm like, oh shit. She gave you a song. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she she did. just come in. Yeah, she did. In two step. No, she gave you a joint. Yeah, she did. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, Phew. so I called June. I'm like, yo, man. I'm trying. I gotta figure out how to get Gotti on there. He's like, matter of fact. Gotti in patchwork right now. I'm like, huh? I'm in patchwork. Man, I, he's like, yeah, he in the B room. I go to the B room. Gotti in there. Him and Mims. Shout out Mims. I'm like, yo, yo what's up? Da, 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 da. I said, yo. I knew he I knew he was going to do it because mm. Monica was already yeah, on it. She was there. I said, yo, I got Monica in the room on this song. Remember you said you was going to do this song with me. Mm. All right, I'll be over. All right. He'd come like 30 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Him and Mo chopping it up. Da, 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 da. He jump on there and do the verse. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking the song good. Melinda called me the next day. <laughs> yeah, um, since um we need somebody else on there to make the song complete. I'm like, oh. Another rapper? Another, yeah, it's just like we gotta fill it in. Like, I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I'm like, damn. I get rich. At the time, Rich Homie Quan is the hottest rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get Rich Homie Quan on there. He didn't deliver a good verse. Oh. Yeah. And Fly was all calling me like, yo, what's up with the song? What's up with the song? I'm like, I had to keep, I was like, bro, I keep it real. He kept you. on underwhelming. That joint was underwhelming, bro. But Homie Quan had records. Like, right, he just, had I records. don't know. Maybe it was the way to beat or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, he just lukewarmed it. And, that, and this out of all due respect, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just lukewarmed it. And um, nobody was like everybody. It just kind of deflated it, and, I, and then they was just like, I don't know, man. Mm. I don't know. Like, damn, I gotta do something. I gotta do something. Right. I called Cannon. I'm like, yo, man, call Jeezy, bro. Because <laughs> <laughs> Cannon was like EPing his project or something. I mm. said, bro, call Jeezy, man. See, what, you know what I mean? What he, he was like, all right, I'm gonna talk to him. I'm gonna talk to him. He called me back. He said, yo. You know, Jeezy, you know he fuck with you, man. Day one, da da da. He said he got you, he got you. I said, bet. And um, maybe like a week or two passed. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And then Melinda, like, I know she putting the pressure on oh, man. Did she put the pressure? <laughs> did she put the pressure? It's funny. Melinda called me last night. Did she put the pressure? Um, she was like, um, I don't know. Since um, 
you know, time, you know, we gotta drop our records. This is when she's doing just right for me. Mm-hmm. We gotta drop our records. I don't know. I'm like, ah. So, man, Kenny called me out of nowhere. Yo, check your email. Mm. I was like, yeah. yes. <laughs> check my email, and Jeezy uh killed that verse. Body it. Killed it, and um, I sent it to Melinda, and um. Mo and Melinda called me back. They were so hyped. But they bumped mm. into Jeezy at a K. Michelle concert. So And he mm. told her. That he was doing Yo, it. I just did sent song which you wanted. Mm-hmm. And then they was like, yo, wh- where's it at? Where's it at? I sent it to him. Mo got so hyped, she redid the whole The song whole joint? Thing. She already killed it the first time. And Three she verses. Back in. She redid the whole song. The whole song. Mm. And like really, Whitney Houston did out, mm-hmm. and then it was just like boom, yeah. And I got a um, shout out to Melinda and um, and Mario for that because they really helped me with the rollout of it. They was like my managers on that song, on like, that joint, you know, on that joint. Like yeah, like they set up, like we did. They set up the after. I mean the 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 um, single release party. It was that I, I did that. Room, right? I did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, shout out to Ag and Bachi for mm-hmm. that. Um. R.I.P. Mike. Um, yeah, I said, um, but Monica was like, yo, I'll do whatever you need mm-hmm. as far as um promo. Promo. So she did every radio joint with me. Mm-hmm. She um she was posting it crazy. I mean, I gained like 5,000 followers just on social media just because of marketing. Her, her posting marketing. it. Marketing. And um we had a whole game plan of how we rolled the song out. We had to, everything and it just and then I I did it through Empire. Mm. And um, that the opening week, that jump, I mean, I I still got it. I had um, at that time, feeling myself, Beyonce and Nicki Minaj came out the same night, and Classic Man, mm. Classic yeah. Man, Cla- mm. Classic Man ended up going number one. Mm. Classic Man was like thirty seven. I was thirty eight, and feeling myself was thirty nine. Crazy, crazy, crazy. The only thing was. Is all me. Independent. I had no monster behind me, right? Mm-hmm. So it didn't stay there that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you. <laughs> but if you, I had a major buy, if I had, or or if I had re- marketing key marketing involved, that record could have been a top ten record to me. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Dope story, man. Dope Thank stories. Yeah. You know, like I said, when we talking earlier, um, the ability to tell your story that people don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's what this platform. I like that, yeah, 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 appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, Rhythm and Streets, dope records. Yeah, that you produced, that you put together. Mm-hmm. Monica, um, all of that is history. It's it's mixtape history. It's Atlanta history. Most importantly, is your history. So, right. on that tip, my man. Thank y'all, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, it's, there's so much other stuff that we could talk right. about, but I know we like limited yeah, no, no. on time. You know how you got the mixtapes, you got side A and side B? Yeah, right. right. You're right. <laughs> you got side A right. and side B. And hold on, let me let me just give you your flowers, Mars, because you were one of the pioneers of in the city of Atlanta, one of the original party rockers, me, Drum and Cannon, all looked up to you, man. We Thank was, you, man. We used to see your flyers when we was in college. And we was like, we got to be like this dude. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? And then all the way up, like, 
Monica's tour DJ, Usher's resident DJ, like all the events that you do traveling worldwide, man. Flowers to you, man. Thank and definitely. I'm so glad that y'all doing this and shout to you, bro. Definitely. Doing y'all thing, man. Love y'all, brother. Clark Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you represent. <laughs> yeah. So who, hold on, who's older? What is bro, my young boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm the youngest. Yeah. I'm the youngest. Yeah. Yo, real, quick, real quick question. Yeah. Where would you get the trends that it dropped from? I know you're not going to ah, tell. I can't let that. Come on, man. I can tell you how we came up with it. It was a day me and Cannon was like, yo, we need to come up with some drops. We wanted to be superheroes and all that kind of stuff. So, um. Because those drops are classic, dramatic. Oh, yeah, Trendsetter. Yeah. I, just found, I just found something where this woman just says trendsetter and I just sped it up real fast. Okay. Trendsetter. Yeah. But I can't, but I can't give okay, away that secret. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. I all can't right. give away that secret. <laughs> well, we're here, man. Y'all know what we're doing. You know who we are. The book, The Art Behind the Tape, you can buy it online at artbehindthetape.com. Um, go to, where can they get that Monica record? Oh, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Boom. all that good stuff. And um, yeah, um, and Trendsetters Podcast on deck, where it highlights like the Rhythm and Street stuff mm -hmm. as well. Okay. Um, my Rhythm and Streets playlist, all platforms. Yeah, Trendsetter. Holla at me at Trendsetter Sense IG DJ Sense Twitter all that good stuff. Go out behind the tape. We out of here. We out of here. Peace. Hey. Yep. Mixtapes. The classic mixtapes. Doing the mixtape thing. Let me drop a mixtape. Oh mixtape. The mixtapes. This is the Art Behind the Tape podcast. Podcast hosted by this DJ DJ Mars and Brill Jive, covering the spectrum of the mixtape culture.